0: Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which Thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide Thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away, cast me not away, from Thy presence, and take not Thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy salvation, and uphold me with Thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors Thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto Thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of Thy righteousness. O Lord, open Thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth Thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, and a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering, and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks. Upon thine altar. I also want to read this morning from 1 Kings chapter 15, beginning with verse 5, or excuse me, verse 1. The Bible said, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over, over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Makah, the daughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins. I want you to notice this. He walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. Nevertheless, for David's sake, did the Lord his God give him a lamp in Jerusalem to set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, and turned not aside from anything that he had commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning, just simply purge and purify. Purge and purify. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Thank you for your patience. God bless you. You may be seated. The story of David's sin... And all of us here today no doubt are familiar with the very grievous sin that David had committed with Bathsheba in adultery and then the murder of her husband. That story is found in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. David, on the contrary, is well known in the Bible as the man after God's own heart according to 1 Samuel 13, 14, and yet... He committed terrible sins here, breaking several of God's ten commandments, if you will, in the process. His secret to success is not spiritual perfection, but sincere repentance immediately after his spiritual failure. David was favored by God because he always sought to keep. God's commandments. He learned these secrets by observing his predecessor, a man who went his own way, refused to repent, and finally had the Spirit of God lifted from his life. We will learn much about David of the Old Testament by learning about Saul of the Old Testament. In other words, Saul taught David what not to do. Saul taught David what not to become. Saul taught David what not kind of an attitude and a posture to have uh, towards God and towards God's people. When Israel asked for a king, it was for the wrong reason. It was to make them like other nations. God didn't want them to be like other nations, but they pleaded with God that all these other nations have a king, and we don't have a king. I find that is rather insulting to God that God could very easily ask, well, I thought I was your king, but apparently even God wasn't their king. I want you to hear me this morning. I'm not going to preach a long time, but there's things that I'm going to throw out to you this morning that I want you to think about, and I want it to resonate into your mind. But they asked for a king, It was for the wrong reason. They wanted to be like everybody else. And God did not want them to be like everybody else. You'll notice their request in 1 Samuel chapter 8 is a pivotal point in their history. It is 380 years since the Jews' exodus from the land of Egypt. And now it's 370 years later they would be in Babylonian bondage again. So you'll notice that time-wise, it is almost dead center in their history that they ask for a king to be like everyone else. And it became the beginning of their end, as life as they know it. When they refused to be a theocracy, a nation ruled by God, when they refused to be a theocracy, a nation ruled by God. They did not understand by choosing to become a monarchy, this one stubborn decision plunged them into ruin that they have yet to recuperate from and to revive themselves from. What you and I must understand is when we set things in our life That reigns supreme over God. And it is only reflected in our attitude and our decision making. I hope you're hearing, Pastor, this morning. When we set things in our life that overrules divine decision. Then we have ceased to become an individual theocracy. Whose lives are being formed and shaped according to the will and purpose of God. But we become a monarchy in which we put someone else or something else in the place of God in our life. I want to say in passing to hearing grace, we're a long ways from our history, from our starting point, if you will. And I don't know what the future holds, but I still have a supreme desire to keep God at the helm of this church. I still have a supreme desire to keep the Word of God as our basis and our foundation. We cannot deviate and evict God from the throne of His church that He bled and died for. And I would to God that I'm preaching to a group of people here today that feel the same way. I have no desire of deviating from the Word of God. I have no desire of turning my back on the principle and concept of the Word of God. I still want God to rule and reign at grace. Praise God. Samuel, the prophet Samuel, the judge Samuel warned them about the perils of having a king. For receiving a king is different than receiving a gift. Saul and the kingship and the throne of Israel was not a gift to Israel as they thought it would be. Because when you appoint a king, then you must submit to that king. You receive or you make less than a king if you do not submit to that place and person of authority. Saul, much like his nation, immediately set out, trying. Listen to pastor this morning. Saul, immediately upon becoming king, much like his nation, Began to try to please God in his own way. He didn't attempt to please God in what God wanted. He attempted to please God in what Saul wanted. And when facing the great Philistine army of 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, in 1 Samuel 13, Saul got impatient with Samuel because he didn't show up in time to make a sacrifice. His men were deserting him. And so to impress his men, Saul made his own sacrifice. He in his own way, was trying to please God. But in his effort to please God, he was deviating from the commandment of God. Everybody say amen. In 1 Samuel 13, beginning with verse 13, Samuel said to Saul as a result of what he had done, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God which He commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. I want to preach the grace here today. It is imperative. It is imperative that we as a church line ourselves up with what the Word of God teaches. You cannot please God in your own way, based on your own preference, but we have to obey the commandment of the Word of God. If we do not do that, then God has the right, according to scriptural preference, to move on to someone else who will. Saul consistently tried to handle things his own way. It's doing my will in the name of God. I will do what I want to and I will call it the will of God. Saul's constant depression was simply because of unrepented sin in his life. But to understand Saul's greatest failing, you must go all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis 25, we're introduced to Esau, a man who sold his birthright for a pot of soup. He, he thought he could get by with just a blessing. But even later on in Scripture, he even lost his blessing. would to God I had time to go through this like I want to in Genesis 36 and verse 12 a grandson named Amalek was born to Esau and there was constant fighting between the descendants of Jacob or Israel and the descendants of Esau or Amalek among others. In Exodus 17, a battle ensues between the Amalekites, the offspring of Amalek, and the children of Israel. The battle is only won when Moses is able to conquer the flesh, if you will, and get help in holding his arms up before the Lord. Because when his arms went down and flesh took over, the enemy began to win. But when he held his arms up before God, Israel prevailed. The Bible said, Moses built an altar called Jehovah my miracle because it will take supernatural power to win this war with Amalek that God declares will rage throughout the generation let me move on in Deuteronomy 25 God gives Israel specific instruction regarding the Amalekites I want you to hear the word of God this morning in Deuteronomy 25 God gives Israel specific instructions regarding the Amalekites as they are about to enter the promised land these instructions were never Carried out by the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy 25, beginning with verse 17, the Bible said, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way, when you were come forth out of Egypt. Now he, how he met thee by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, which thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and thou shalt not forget it. Israel never fulfill this commandment given by God. In other words, that thing that is causing your demise that thing that is going to badger you, that thing that is going to stand in conflict between you and God for the rest of your life, if you do not eliminate it, if you do not destroy it, your promised land or your relationship with God will never reach the place where God intended for it to reach. Finally, moving back to King Saul, the same commandment, The same commission is given to the first king of Israel. A man who now has the authority. A man who now has the power. A man who now has the ability. In 1 Samuel 15, 1 through 3, Saul again does what he thinks is best. He does what he thinks is best. I'll remind you of a time in the Old Testament when the Bible said in the book of Judges that they did that which was right in their own eyes. I want to submit to grace here this morning that we cannot base our future we cannot orient ourselves into our future and the destiny of this church based on our preference but we have to learn the will of God. We have to learn what God wants. We have to learn His purpose. We have to learn His commandments and it's learned in an altar. It's learned in a prayer room. It's learned in moments of dedication and surrender and submission to Almighty God. I want you to notice in 1 Samuel chapter 15 beginning with verse 9 the Bible said after Saul refused to destroy the Amalekites but left King Agag alive and the best of their flocks alive. Samuel said in verse 1 also unto Saul the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord thus saith the Lord of hosts I remember that which Amalek did to Israel how he laid wait for him in the way and when he came up from Egypt now go and smite Amalek and not only destroy all that they have and spare them not but slay both man and woman infant and suckling oxen sheep, camel and ass and Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused they destroyed utterly. Saul once again took matters into his own hands and did what he thought was right I want to preach to our church this morning God is calling us to a time of prayer, he's calling us to a time of fasting but it's not just to go through the motion and to make yourself feel good because you prayed and you fasted but God is wanting to purge our church God is wanting to purify this church, God is looking for a church that's after his own heart, that's after his own will and after his own purpose. I'm preaching to moms and dads. I'm preaching to grandmas and grandpas and young people. It's time to turn our attention toward the will and purpose of God and let God begin to work in our lives. I appreciate your very modest applause. But God's looking for more. And just our ceremonial, that's good preaching, Brother Murphy. I'm not preaching to enlighten you in information. I'm not trying to preach you a flowery message. I'm preaching this morning for conviction and response. I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. I've taught prophecy. I've taught prophecy. And I've proved to you just based on the nation of Israel that we're nigh on the rapture of the church. Our own country is facing financial demise. So is most of Europe. And still no one comes to pray. No one is stirred. Our young people are still running rampant in the world and doing whatever they want to do without spiritual leadership. And guidance from I'm here to preach to somebody today is we need to move beyond our past relationship and our past church experience. It's more than a ceremonial applause of approval, but somebody has got to let some tears stream down their face and hit an altar of repentance and say, God, forgive us for being lukewarm. God, stir our church. Let's talk to the Lord right now. Let everybody pray with me in Jesus' name. I hate to be cynical. I think we ought to thank the Lord for speaking to us one more time all over the building. We need to talk to the Lord. Can somebody go just beyond for a moment our ceremonial praying and traditional prayer? Somebody talk to God right now. All over the building, somebody just in your own way, whatever you feel to do. I'm asking everybody here today to talk to God. We need to hear from God today. God is calling our church to a special place, and we've got to hear it. We've got to be responsive. We've got to be open. Come on, somebody pray. Somebody, there's people here today who knows how to pray. Pray. You know how to pray. Pray. Thank the Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Folks, I know what I'm talking about here this morning. I've seen churches. I've been a part of churches that's been where we are now. But they choose tradition. They try to choose to do it like we did it in the past. I want to have revival, Brother Murphy, like we did 20 years ago. I want to have... Church, like we had it back at a certain time and point in your life. Can we understand here today, Saul, Saul, you're introducing to the nation of Israel a new era. And you have an opportunity to lead this nation even though they're out of the will of God and wanting a king. God was still giving Saul every opportunity, every occasion, every moment. He gave him open doors To pursue God. To pursue the will of God. To pursue the purpose of God. To be accountable. To be what God wanted him and the nation of Israel to be. But Saul resolutely stood in the face of God. In the face of Samuel the prophet and judge. And said I refuse to do it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. Do it my way. We cannot. We cannot have church Based on our way. It has to be. It has to be the will of God. We must build our future. Based on the will of God. The purpose of God. The mind of God. We must be accountable to God. We must embrace God, the Word of God, and be the kind of church. I think somebody, I think somebody, needs to let something out of your mouth that God would be accepted in approval of here today. I believe y'all to let some praise and prayer come out of your mouth. Do something here this morning to show God that we're thankful for this moment, for this supreme opportunity to be what we've never been and to do what we've never done praise God keep going keep going you want a move of God you want your church to be in the will of God it's time to act like it it's time to put our faith where our mouth is and say God move me God stir me God have your way in my life Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thank you. You may be seated. This is what terrifies me here this morning as pastor. I don't believe in scare tactics. I don't use scare tactics. But I'm preaching to you the Word of God. And had I not seen it in our own society, in our own society, I know of a church today. I know of several churches today that have come to that rendezvous moment with God and the power of God and the will of God. And I've watched them steady dwindle down in attendance. And there's no fervency. And there's no excitement anymore. And the altars are barren. And the baptismal tank is never used. I've been in churches where the baptismal water was so old you couldn't even recognize it as water. I didn't know what it looked like. And the people sat there and they stared straight ahead with no passion, no fervency, and no desire. I know what I'm talking about about when Samuel finally came to Saul. I'll make my point in a moment. When Saul was finally confronted by Samuel and Samuel said, what have you done? Why have you spared Agag? And what is about all the lowing of the sheep and the oxen that I hear? What's going on here? Why have you done this? The Bible said and the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. I'm careful here this morning to get up and make such a judgmental statement that the Spirit of God has departed from churches. But I'll tell you what, when you go there, it sure makes you wonder, does God even attend this church anymore? I met with somebody this week that does not go to this church, neither do they attend a apostolic church in this area but I met with them for lunch this week and they responded to similar talk as I shared with them what I was feeling and this person said it's been a long time since I've been to a church anywhere where I really saw the glory and power of God manifested God has a way of walking out the door and we don't even know it I'm not trying to scare anybody here today. I'm not trying to make you nervous. But I am preaching conviction. I Don't think for one moment because we're apostolic holy rollers that we've got the market on God. Don't think for that for one moment. I remember back in the 70s. I remember growing up in the mid-70s and hear preachers preach that we are the bride of Christ referring to only apostolic people. And all of a sudden, I say this in all due respect, but other denominations and even non-denominational movements of of religious uh, prominence in our world today began receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I heard those same preachers get up and preach I just can't believe God would fill these XYZ religions and denominations with the Holy Ghost when they're not even one God don't think we have the market on God There's people that I know today that have never been baptized in Jesus' name that profess more of the fruit of the Holy Ghost than a lot of Pentecostals I know. They have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and they don't have Pentecost anywhere near their name of their church. I wish I could be more specific and honor to our guest here this morning. I won't do that. But I'm here to preach to us Pentecostals here this morning. We can get comfortable and say because we're apostolic and we have holiness standards that we've got the market on God and God's going to rapture us. Don't think that for one moment. God has already set precedent. Read about the seven churches of Asia Minor. He started off in the midst of the church in the church of Ephesus and by the time it got to Laodicea with apostolic people he was outside knocking on the door wanting to get back in. Don't deceive yourself here today. I'm here to preach to our church if we want to see people born again, if we want to see our kids, our grandkids, our siblings, our parents come back to God and to convert to a true relationship with God, we're going to have to do more than just ceremonial church. Somebody's going to have to get in a prayer room. Somebody's going to have to shed some tears. Somebody's going to have to hit an altar bench. I'm asking God today to purge us and purify us. Create within me a clean heart and renew with Than me a right spirit, oh God. Praise God. Praise God. The Bible said in 1 Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 13: listen to the word of God. Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord which he kept not. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it and inquired not of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord, he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Jesse. God intended for Saul's name, for Saul's seed, to be the seed from which the Messiah would come. The kingdom of Israel be forever established because of King Saul. But Saul remained unrepentant. The Bible said so, and I just read the verse to you, that God's intention was to establish the throne of Saul. But instead, because of Saul's unrepentant spirit and refusing to do God's things, God's way, God departed from him, and the Bible said that God ultimately slew him. God has declared that our flesh must die through repentance or our fleshly desires will ultimately kill us spiritually. I've said it before and I'll say it again and I do not say it with arrogance nor pride as though I'm some special person. But I have no interest in passing pastoring a carnal church, a prayerless church. When we're too busy to pray, we need to just turn the lights off and just go home and find something else to do. We can't be a glorified social club. We can't be just a neat place with a neat name and what have you where people can go to church. But we need to understand this morning that God has a purpose for us. God has a purpose for this church. There's people that He's brought here. I believe it with all of my heart. There's people that God has brought here. He's brought you here for a purpose. He brought you because of what you would give and because you'd be willing to give it. This church wants to do everything we can to provide for you that opportunity. There's people here today that legitimately want to work for God. There's we have an incredible Sunday school staff, Sunday school administrator, people whose heart beats for our kids and for the future of our kids. Brother Lawrence is doing a phenomenal job with our Sunday school departments, and you walk up down the hall during Sunday school and hear nothing but Sunday school rooms ringing in excitement as the teachers proclaim the word of God. You you parents ought to be happy about that. We should be happy about that. We should be thankful for a youth pastor that calls Monday night youth prayer meetings. The last time they had prayer meeting that he told me about, they had over 20 kids in one of our Sunday school classrooms up there. Some of them with their hands in the air, tears streaming down the face. Where's the parents in all of this? Why aren't you here too praying somewhere else? We've got to get a hold of God and preserve what we have and preserve what God has done but not get stuck here. We must move forward. We must move forward. God gave grace a beautiful edifice here. We've got to fill it up. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. He said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, And if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. In verse 24 he said, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust he went on to say to the church at Galatians, Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 he said be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting so let us not be weary in well doing for in due season reap In Matthew chapter 9 when the self-righteous Pharisees criticized Jesus for eating with sinners he echoes the words spoken by Saul to Samuel in Matthew chapter 9 verse 13 he said go and learn what that meaneth I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance after a while righteous people shouldn't have to live a steady diet of repenting. You should be engaging the spirit and the power of God. I find it interesting that David broke the commandments as much as Saul did. But the incredible difference between the two men is that David was quick to repent. He didn't try to justify it. He didn't try to run his transgression through his own deluded concept of I'll please God my way kind of attitude. David was quick to say, I'm sorry. You'll recall in the scripture, I was having lunch this week with Brother Dave Bunch, and both of us were so passionate over our youth group, and we're trying so hard to engage things, and we need the help and support of our parents. I don't want to lose our kids. during that lunching appointment is when God spoke this to me and I was telling brother Dave a little bit about it you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 don't we love God when he's providing for all of our needs and he's healing our sicknesses and he puts money in the bank and fixes the car we love God when all that stuff's going on But in the next chapter, the same crowd came back to get the same thing. But Jesus made a different presentation. He poured a little bit of wine and said, this is my blood in the New Testament. Will you drink it? And he gave them bread and said, this is a type of my flesh in the New Testament. In other words, I'm fixing to die and I need some people to commit. I need you to commit. And the Bible said they all walked away. Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and said, Would you also walk away? And Peter said, Lord, where would we go? For you have the words of eternal life. I wanted to title this message today and I thought better of it. But if you're not going to commit, why aren't you here? Because it's not a social function. You need people who commit. When Paul, or excuse me, when John, stand with me this morning, when John was writing, the book of Revelation and God was giving him those incredible words in John 2 and 3 John wrote to one of those churches listen to pastor God walked away from Saul God walked away from him in Revelation the spirit of the Lord speaking through John to one of the churches, said, I have set before you an open door. Most people that read that believe that's a door of opportunity. Man, you can step through that door and things get wonderful. That's not what it means. It's a door of exit. You can exit anytime you want. God's not holding you here. If you commit and be what God wants you to be, it's going to be on a voluntary basis because that's what God asked you to do. And you just want to please Him. I'm not here to do it my way. I just want to please God. Whatever I can do to please God. Most people are married based on that little concept. I like to please my spouse. I'm just here today to please God. So I'm going to ask you this morning, can we go through a time of letting God purge just all the junk out of us, just get rid of all the junk, the attitudes, the posture, the mindset, stuff that's happened in the past, Everybody here today has gotten crossways with a preacher at some point in your life. Can you let that go for a minute? You've gotten crossways with your wife a time or two, or your husband a time or two, and you've let that go. You're still married to them. Can you do that with the preacher of the past? Maybe it's me. Can you do it with me? Can you set aside for a little while the bad experience with a church family somewhere and just say, God, purge me, plot out my iniquity? Create within me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. Because of the kingdom, if the kingdom of God is ever established in this church and this community, can I be a part of that kingdom? I'm not here to build mine. I'm here to build the kingdom of God. So what we're going to do this morning while they're playing softly and providing such a beautiful atmosphere of music. I'm not going to give a long, formal, traditional altar call and who will come and who will do this and that. You know who you are. And you don't have to make a public statement. I'm just going to ask everybody in the building to just gather around the front and find a place to kneel and pray. Just have a prayer meeting here for a little while this morning. I think there are some people here this morning that would like to have that opportunity just to come and pray. I just want to come and pray. Let me just talk to God uninterrupted, uninhibited. I just want to talk to God. Would you come from all over the building? If you're not comfortable to come, we can just kneel at the pew, whatever you feel. But I'm asking everybody in this building to just spend a few moments. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. Just come and pray. Just kneel where you are.